Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Arlen Suderman joins us today from FC Stone. Lots of things to look at when it comes to this market trade, but no surprise, the weather isn't very important. And I guess at this point, Arlen, I'm kind of I'm kind of on the, the fence here because you would think with the delays that we're seeing and harvest not going, hearing wide amounts of rain, and then I hear, you know, not only on the western Corn Belt, but the eastern Corn Belt, nobody seems to care except for those waiting to get the combines in the field. Well, the markets certainly don't seem to care. I mean, we even had uh, forecasts come out midday um, ahead of the close that the GFS operational model is calling for a frost covering 25 to 30 percent of the Corn Belt um, late next week, late in the six to ten day period. Market didn't seem to care. Um, and uh, I, it, part of that is because a model can flip around and, and they didn't have a lot of other model support. But a big part of it, I think, is indicative of this, this cynicism or skepticism of this trade and the fund managers in particular is because they kept hearing us talk about unprecedented planning problems, unprecedented problems with this year's crops. They look at these crop ratings and, and the models that they're built on and say, the crop's there. There's no problem. Um, this is just more complaining. And so they're not really concerned. They think everything's going to be fine. Now, the stocks reports on Monday did narrow the margin for error. Uh, when USDA came out with smaller corn stocks and smaller soybean stocks, that meant the surplus supply um, to use as kind of that margin for error in case we have problems with this year's crop and in case the crop is smaller than USDA says, that margin for error is much smaller. So that's why we got the short covering rally over in, in Monday and then on Tuesday. But that's where it kind of dried up and it ended. And so that tells me, okay, the weak shorts are out of the market, but the fundamentals, excuse me, but the, the funds overall, fund managers overall are still bearish this market bearish as they have been ever since this trade war with China started. They're interpreting everything through that light. Now, you take these same headlines that we're talking about. If we were to get a trade deal with China, that would flip the fund's perspective of the commodity sector. We would expect that anyway. And so they would interpret these things in a much different light. Suddenly, the possibility of a frost would be interpreted much differently. Suddenly, the excessive rains keeping farmers out of the fields and threatening the crops would be interpreted much differently. But for now, until USDA says these crops are smaller, they're not going to really deviate too much from their positions uh, as long as we don't have a trade deal because they're convinced that uh, we have adequate production to meet the demand. It's just the filter that they're looking at things through. Now, you, you talk about the trade deal that's been on. I know this is what number round number 13, but with this Chinese holiday, things are going to be very quiet. So what is the markets going to look at for some sort of fuel in the trade? Yeah, they've been looking a lot at chart signals. As I said, Monday kind of got them going, and we took prices up to uh, chart objectives. And, and when we hit those levels without any fresh fodder or additional news to kind of sustain the move, um, the prices have pulled back. Now, we're doing so within the last couple of days. We've had kind of a risk-off mentality in the markets as as economic concerns because of some data points that have come out the last couple of days on our economy have been much more bearish about the economy. And so 
Wall Street traders have been selling the equities, selling the commodities. And uh, that has pressured prices. Crude oil had been has been down significantly as well, kind of adding some more uh, headwinds for the grain and oil seed markets. So it's made it tough to rally. You can still sustain a rally in this environment, but you have to have a stronger story to do so. And uh, it's hard to find any ags right now that have that story to do so. That may eventually happen once the combines really get some hard data behind the size of this year's crops. If they show that it's smaller than currently projected by USDA, but the rains are keeping the combines out of the field by and large outside of the Ohio River Valley, and so we simply don't have that data to back it up and provide any fodder for the bulls. You were talking before we started the Fontenelle Final Bell about the latest GFS model, and we know that frost is going to happen here eventually, but it seemed like it was going to be pushed off. Now this latest model says it could be here quicker than we think. Yeah, that's a real concern. I uh, Earlier today, I was on the phone with some agronomists and insurance adjusters up in the Minnesota and Dakotas area. I had a conference call with them. Um, they were talking about the corn that they've been looking at, uh, most of it uh, three-quarter three quarter milk line to almost full milk line, um, and just calculating it out with the anticipated GDUs that we have. It may reach maturity a little before Thanksgiving. Well, we're probably not going to go that long without a freeze. It may happen the end of next week. It may happen the week after, the week after that. Um, but it unfortunately looks like 2009 all over again for many of these northern cornfields. Um, soybeans are certainly making progress, particularly up north. They've been measuring the day length, getting shorter, been pushing toward maturity. But, but the corn is a real concern going forward whether we're going to be able to get that. So we've enjoyed these later, you know, the the longer fall, the later fall that we've had, um, but with the lack of sunshine we've had, and I think that's one of the factors getting very little talk this year is the lack of sunshine during the month of August when the grain was really trying to fill. Um, that took away a lot of the advantage that we would have expected from a warmer September and I, I don't think we're going to realize that until we actually put, get the combines in the field and find that the seed size wasn't quite what we expected. And so there's fewer bushels in the bin than what we anticipated of both corn and soybeans. That's definitely going to make for some very interesting upcoming USDA reports. Yeah, I think so, particularly the November report. Maybe start that trend next week. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to talk about and look at the grains, uh, rest of the grains and the livestock happenings as well on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As Arlen Suderman continues with part two, and I was just joking with you, do we get a chance to talk about biofuels? We know that there's been so many concerns. We've talked so much about trade and, and what's going to happen with this weather, but there's a lot of people banking, Arlen, that we're going to get some sort of biofuels deal taken care of. It really, there really are, and a lot of hopes put into that. Um, and now the concerns are it's really slowed down. I know Reuters had a story yesterday that the EPA says it's on hold, um, and they're basically waiting for more instructions in the White House, which is preoccupied with the impeachment inquiry now. Bloomberg ran a story yesterday, um, and I've seen Reuters try to do a follow-up to kind of get in the act and not be left out today indicating that there is a deal but to me it looks like kind of a, a replay of an old story 
about a deal that was on the table but never really approved. And based on our conversations with our clients, and we've got clients on both sides of this issue, um, we are not confident that there is a deal. We do not think that there is a deal, and we do not think that they're close to a deal. Um, and so uh, I'm going to be cautious about saying there is one. Um, certainly, we'd like to see this problem solved, um, but uh, at this point, we're not confident that it has been. Looking now to to the happenings of, of the livestock side, and I'm sure this has an effect on, on the grains as well. There's some economy concerns out there, and knowing that, especially in rural America, that buying is going to tighten up a little bit. How do you see that affecting these markets? Well, you know, I was impressed that the protein complex held up pretty well today in light of the risk-off atmosphere we were seeing in the broader markets. And it didn't start off that way. It started off weaker, but just kind of gained momentum throughout the day, led by the cattle complex. And uh, um, that was rather encouraging to me. Now, as we look at the cattle complex and the fundamentals there, we saw better than expected cash last week, and, and the feeders seem to be holding out this week as well. Now, it is the first of the month, so the packers can draw from their formula supplies. Um, and so there's some thinking that that may hurt the cash trade, the negotiated trade this week. But overall, we're seeing the product start to stabilize and firm up. Uh, with uh, decent box beef movement, but the choice select spread remains incredibly firm and up another $2 yesterday. Um, and so we are seeing uh, just unbelievable spread there, choice select, largely because of the way the cattle are grading. We're keeping them pretty current and because demand from the consumer for these higher value cho- choice products seems to be really good. That's a good sign for the economy, and that's a good sign for the sign for the cattle industry as well. And uh, so the the market overall cautiously optimistic. Can we say we've moved past the the, the fears of the Holcomb Kansas fire? Yeah, it's quite amazing when we look at where prices are at now um, versus where the fire was. We've got the fats back up there. The feeders beat them to it. We're trading as if it never happened, even though the plant is still closed. We've had some pretty good slaughter rates going forward. Um, but this industry is, is seemingly trying to do it where the packer margins are making their way back down from just the unreal high levels. They were above $450 a head. And uh, we're in the process of now cutting that in the half. Still pretty good packer margins. But they've come down considerably, but we're really starting to get more normalizing, I, maybe I should say, this market again. South Korea announced their 10th and 11th case of AFS. We know that Australia has put themselves kind of on alert. What are we seeing? Is this a pulling down factor for these hogs? Well, hog market's just been crazy because we've been trying to balance the big upfront supplies with the expectation of big demand. Now, uh, having said that, uh, we've we've sold a little better than 300,000 tons, I think it is, now to China this year. Uh, and that's a significant increase. In fact, if you look at China's imports January through August, uh, they're up 40% versus last year from all sources. Uh, when you look at just the month of August alone, their imports are up 76%. So they've been pulling a lot of pork from Europe and, and from South America. They've been talking about the possibility of 100,000 metric tons. 
um, coming from the U.S., but we haven't seen it yet show up in these USDA reports. Um, and so I think the market will be real disappointed if they don't show up in tomorrow morning's uh, uh, report. Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic that we'll at least see a chunk of it. All right. Sounds good. As we look at anything else, factors you want to kind of keep in check before we wrap up this trading week? Well, I think the real key is what happens in the outside markets. Are we going to set in some panic among the funds or not in risk off? Are we going to stabilize things on the economy? And we'll trade negotiations next week. All right. Sounds good, Arlen. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? IMTLFCStone.com. We're on Twitter at twitter.com slash ArlenFF101. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all your local dealers. And you can get this at your favorite podcast location. The Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.